Okay, before we get started with today's show, I want to let you in on a few behind the scenes details about this particular interview. I had the opportunity to interview Rachel Shapiro Davis, a midwife from Jerusalem, while she was here on Maui teaching a spinning babies workshop. Amazing, right? Well, the only time slot for this interview was a tiny window of time right after the last day of her workshop and only at the workshop location. So of course I said yes, dropped everything, rearranged my schedule, packed up my podcast equipment and met her at that location where I had zero idea about what the acoustics would be like. This was a one try, one take, no retake show. So because of all these wild cards I was dealt, I was a little nervous about how it would all turn out. Well, the interview is amazing. She is such a gem and is absolutely bettering birth for mamas all over the world. So I jumped on here to let you know that about three quarters of the way through our conversation, we had gone over the allotted time slot for the rental space where we were. And we very quickly found out why there was a time limit because praise and worship music started blasting through into our room from the other side of the wall, exactly where we were sitting and stayed for the remainder of the conversation. But In true midwife fashion, Rachel handled this unexpected addition with grace and humor, and we continued on until we absolutely had to leave. This extra element does not take away from the message at all. Rachel is as clear and kind and insightful as ever when the music starts. I just wanted to jump on and let you know that there's some extra fun in the background (laughs) toward the end of this interview. And I hope that you um, see the grace and humor in it as well. Okay, that's it. That's what I wanted to share with you. Enjoy the interview. Let's meet Rachel. Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Thanks to Branch Basics for supporting today's episode of Elevating Motherhood. Branch Basics is an educational company that offers non-toxic, simple-to-use cleaning solutions for your home using one powerful plant and mineral-based cleaning concentrate. You can literally use their one concentrate to clean everything from bathrooms and windows to floors and laundry. Simply dilute their safe, effective cleaner into their refillable bottles. The instructions are right on the label. Branch Basics has been an amazing addition to our home. I'm always looking for ways to reduce my family's toxic burden, and Branch Basics fits the bill. 
Plus, their goals align with mine to make cleaning sustainable, affordable, and simple, all without the use of GMOs or animal testing. Branch Basics is offering a special discount code for Elevating Motherhood listeners. You can get 10% off your starter kit order, but only for the month of October 2019. Head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash branch basics to grab the code and find out more. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash branch basics. Our guest today is Rachel Shapiro Davis. She's a midwife, spinning babies approved trainer, mama of Noam or Shalom, and founder and director of Equilibrio School of Birth and Body Work in Israel. She's currently visiting the island of Maui, here to teach a spinning babies workshop for birth workers on the island. I met this magical mama this week at a Pacific Birth Collective meeting, and I knew right away that I wanted to learn more and share her with you. Honestly, I learned more about birth, fetal positioning, and female anatomy from her 20-minute presentation on Monday than I did during all three of my pregnancies, and that's saying something because I researched a lot. So thank you for agreeing to this last minute interview, this in-person interview. It's a pleasure to see you again, and I'm just so grateful to be able to talk with you. Mm, Thank you, Lori Beth. It's beautiful to be here. Thanks. I'd love for you to share a little bit of your story, um, how you came into birth work, and what your experiences with pregnancy, birth education, and postpartum care in Israel. And I'd kind of love to find out... Yeah, more about what you do. I'm super curious about your school and how you got into all this. Yeah. Well, first of all, this is my first podcast. Oh, <laughs> yay. Yeah. Right. So, so this is, I'm glad to do it with you. Oh, thanks. And see your beautiful sparkling eyes. Oh, in-person is like, I'm loving the in-person element. It yeah. feels like, um, I don't know, divine intervention that you would be here from Israel and I'm here on Maui and then there's listeners all over the world. I yeah. love it. I love wow. that coming together. Yeah, and I love the discussion aspect of it, like the give and take. It's like life. <laughs> yeah, it is. We've been talking a lot before this. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. Um, so a bit about my story and how I came into birth work. We hear my son, Noam or Shalom. Yeah, Noam or Shalom is here too. We love babies on the podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> Noam has been traveling with me for eight weeks. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, it's a really long time. So he's a trooper. He's nine months old. So I originally came into birth work at a pretty young age. For me, um, the story started when I was 18, and I actually started having dreams. I grew up in a pretty um, kind of um, straight-laced family where I didn't really know what midwives were. I'd only heard about them from the Bible, you know, from Shifra and Pua, the midwives, the Jewish midwives in Egypt, who saved the, the male babies from the Pharaoh. And that, I just had only heard about it in a context of thousands of years ago, and I'd only ever known obstetricians delivered babies. Right. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And then when I was 18, um, I started having the same dream every single night, and I have my dream journal to this day where I noted it every day about um, catching a friend of mine's baby. And it was very clear in the dream that I was a midwife, and I had the same dream and same dream, and this happened for four months. And then finally one day I was like, okay, I get it. I guess I'll be a midwife. And then the dream stopped. And um, that's how I originally got into birth work. And so then I, um, at that point when I was 18, I 
signed up uh, for a midwifery school. At that time, there was a school in northern Minnesota called the Aviva Midwifery School. I don't think it exists anymore. Okay. And um, then I realized, well, I'm 18 and I'm not ready to be responsible for people's lives. Mm. So I withdrew and I traveled and backpacked for two years around the world uh, doing different body work. And like massage. Like massage and energy work and um, work with different essential oils and herbs and, and also work with the body that was kind of new, just what I was feeling I went with. And uh, then when I was 20, I was ready, and I, I went to midwifery school then, and, and uh, I've been doing birth ever since. So... Wow. How many yeah. years is that? Yeah. So that's 10 years. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Right on. Yeah. And, um, and it's been an absolute gift and honor. Yeah. So you were born and raised in the Midwest? I was, yeah. I was okay. born and raised in Minnesota. Okay. And then how did you come to Israel? Yeah. Great question. So when I was 15, I went to Israel on a trip with my school for three months. Oh, wow. Yeah. With just our the students. And... Um, and I, I had a very strong experience um, at, uh, at sunset in a mountain called Gamla on the um, Galilee Sea, where I just realized, well, this is my land. This is what's home for me. Yeah. yeah I, there was a sunset on Maui where I was like, wow, th- this is it. And it's just so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I was really young, too. And I thought, no, come on. But it's so powerful. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I totally understand the sunset and the mountain stuff. Sorry, and that feeling that you get where, yeah. And I was um, raised in the Midwest as well, so it was a very unusual experience to have a kind of message at a sunset, if you will. Yes, it is. And and you know, most of the people I grew up with moved back home eventually after college. And I think the Midwest kind of has a, a way to draw you back sometimes as For a sure. place to to raise kids. And so it is unique and. And you totally get it. And so it took a little while, and then I, when I was 25, I made my way back. Okay. Yeah. So what is your uh, birth work like in Israel? Yeah, well, in Israel, um, the only midwifery that's legal um, is nurse midwifery. And I had trained as a CPM. <laughs> if you could see this grin, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. friends. And I had trained as a CPM and I'm a licensed midwife in the States. Okay. So when I got to Israel, I um, planned on uh, working kind of as a, a doula or a matrice. And then the third day after I arrived in Israel, I found myself at a home, at a birth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, supporting, and, and it just continued from there. And I just sort of organically found myself um, at births. And at the same time, I've been going through my certified nurse midwife degree um, in Israel, which is a five and a half year process. So I did four years of nursing school in Hebrew. And oh, then wow. a year and a half, yeah, and then a year and a half of midwifery studies, which I'm finishing in a few months. Um, so I need to know a little bit about the school in Hebrew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you know any other language besides English going into this? Yeah. Okay. I knew Hebrew a bit, yeah, Okay. because I was raised um, with some Hebrew, but I had no idea the Hebrew that I, I learned. You know, when I went to school, I, I used to say in my first year of nursing school, I had been in Israel six months at the time, and I used to say, 
I think I understand 30% of what's being said. Okay. And I would relearn the entire day at night. I've mm-hmm. never worked so hard in my life. That's, I believe that. Cool. And by the second year, I understood 70. Okay. I didn't understand 30, so that switched. And, and then it got easier with time. Okay. And I'm learning and every experience. day still. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about Equilibrium, yes. your school. Yeah, so the school Equilibrio really came out of my personal experience as a pregnant person. Oh. Because when I was pregnant, I wanted somebody who could provide the body work I would provide to moms. Mm-hmm. And I searched and I was so open to different types of body work. And I went to our Vigo therapists and I went to chiropractors who specialized in pregnancy and I went to osteopaths and I went to acupuncturists. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just did everything. And I could not find somebody that did the techniques that I did and I and I wanted to have done on my body in, in my country where I live. Mm-hmm. And I just had this really strong experience, like this is a human right. I should not have to, I should be able to find this because mm-hmm. this is how I need to have balance in my body. For sure, I think that for moms there isn't one way of doing things Um, especially in pregnancy and even like pregnancy to pregnancy it's my needs were very different with all three and yeah I started to branch out way more in my second and third pregnancies to find acupuncturists and work with chiropractors more and bring in a variety like it sounds like you had a great variety but it wasn't exactly what you were looking for I think that's why the spinning babies (laughs) um small talk you gave on Monday was like yes 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 this is just powerful information for moms to um know about themselves and know about their own bodies and to be in tune with their bodies because when you started talking about fetal positioning and things like that I remember like in passing people talking about fetal positioning and like oh maybe the baby's here but never like what that means or even another step further of saying okay and here's what you can do to help move the baby into a more optimal position or here's how what you can do for relief instead it's like oh here let me just adjust you now that there's anything wrong with this or like here try this massage or here try this or try that but I was like you know I want to know more about me and I want to know more about what I can do and just like approach it from a more educated standpoint so it seems like you were coming at your pregnancy very educated <laughs> and knowing your body. I mean, that's that's really, really great. Did you ever find what you needed by the end of your pregnancy? No. But, um, but you know, I want to comment on a few things you said because sure. I found what you just shared to be so powerful in so many different ways. You know, one of the things that you just said um, was about how the, the conversation around fetal position and your body was a conversation that um, that you found meaningful, you know, just in, in terms of the spinning baby's view. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, to comment on that because it, it is really important, the dance of those things together. And also how, like, we don't believe in one optimal position. We mm-hmm. completely, and that's what you're saying about how each one of your pregnancies was different. Mm-hmm. Each baby and each pregnant person in that pregnancy is its own world. Mm-hmm. And we don't believe that there's, like, one optimal position for baby. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that we add balance. We add balance to the uterine ligaments. We add balance to the fascia and we had balance to the muscle, all the soft tissue mm-hmm. in that pregnant person, and then baby can find their optimal position. 
right? So if a baby's posterior because we have a tight round ligament and we release mm -hmm. that and the baby wants to turn or if mm -hmm. a baby's breech and wants to turn, then we give that space, but it's ultimately, you know, a choice for the physiology of that baby and that pregnant person. Mm -hmm. And in my pregnancy personally, one of the times that I went to an Arvigo therapist and she was, you know, bless her, the most, the sweetest woman. And I went to her and, and she told me in, 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 you know, such, um, well-intentioned sharing, mm -hmm. she told me, oh, your uterus is twisted on the right. Oh. And I was like, okay. And then I am very, um, I do a lot of palpation. So I felt my uterus and she, and I asked her, do you mean in the lower part where there is like a dextral rotation, there is a twist of the uterus and that's physiological in, in lots of people. And I asked if that's what she meant. And she said, no, no, in the upper part, it's, it's twisted. And I said, oh, okay. And I felt my uterus and, and it wasn't twisted. Mm -hmm. And I knew that. But even though I knew that, having someone tell me that influenced me. And I started feeling mm -hmm. like, is my body okay? Is my baby okay? Am I restricting space? And I felt those little, those little fear, fear whiskers, you know? So um, interesting because I um, find that a lot of fear stems from not knowing. Mm. Just this sensation of not knowing. A lot of worry when the baby first comes. Um, we are in the middle of the night, it's the middle of the night, the baby's upset, and we start to become afraid because we don't know what's wrong with the baby. And we do, we start to latch on to this one notion, maybe it's an ear infection, <gasps> maybe it's an ear infection, you know, and it doesn't even have to go any deeper than that. We're just like so desperate to get rid of our not knowing yeah. and where that fear comes from that we do, we latch on to these ideas. I, and I, I want to tap into that for moms so that they can see that so when they start to sense fear either about their pregnancy or something that was said too because it was a one thing that was said to you yeah. um certain things were said to me like oh well you know this is happening with your body i'm like well what does that mean but i didn't feel like I, and even me as like a strong woman didn't speak up and say um what do you mean by that Especially mm. with my first pregnancy, I was like, oh, well, I should, I wish I had said like, well, what does that mean? And then it's almost like, oh, it's just one little thing and like a micro explanation of what could be going on when what I needed to relieve that fear to relieve that not knowing is more explanation so that I had the knowing that I needed to move forward. Yeah. I do find as a midwife that it, it's it's so um, dependent on each person. I work with so many clients that are just what you're describing now. They want the knowledge, so the more they know, the safer they feel, the mm -hmm. more they feel they can, you know, have variation in their body and feel good with that because they get what's going on. Yeah. And I work with some other people who just don't want to know. Okay. And that works great for them. And it's like, I just love the fact that there's there's a spectrum and we just need to meet each person's needs, I think. Um, I love that. I, I love that so much because it's what I believe is that, you know, even though I'm like, I wish I had had that and that's where my fear stemmed from. For other people, they don't need that. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic then that you're a director of a school <laughs> <laughs> to bring that um, uh, perspective for people like that reminder like I feel like you just did a lovely reminder for me of like you know not everyone wants to know and it's totally true I can think of a handful of friends who are like no need no need yeah <laughs> please don't go beyond your uterus is twisted I do not want to know more <laughs> yeah 
And like, I don't even want to know that. Just touch me, make me feel good, and I'm good. Yeah. And, and so for me, I think when I felt that, and I, I felt like, wow, I really want someone. When I had that body work, and I felt like, you know, that wasn't what I needed. I really wanted some someone to give me what I needed, and that balance in those ligaments and and that fascia and those muscles, and and um, and that's why I opened Equilibrio, so that so that pregnant people all over the country, um, and maybe one day all over the world, but right now all over the country can have access to this to this particular care if that's what's good for them. I love that. What um, do you see uh, as the biggest obstacles or issues for pregnant and birthing mamas around the world? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great and big question. You know, I think it probably varies so much from person to person and place to place and moment to moment. Sure. And, and holding that, I think, as a center starting place is, is, in my opinion, essential so that we give ourselves a space to say, this is my answer right now. My answer... Yeah. That might be different because mm-hmm. this is my experience as a mom or a pregnant mm-hmm. person right now, and it's different in a second, and it's different in a minute, it's different tomorrow and in 10 years. Um, I do think that um, that some, some of the issues that pregnant people and birthing people in the world today face are, um, one, accessibility to resources. Yeah. We have a lot of people who are low-resourced and... Um, and, and just can't get what, again, is a human right to have mm-hmm. access to. So a lot of times when we want body work, that comes for people who can afford yeah. body work. When we want to choose our place of birth, that often comes at the cost of being able to afford mm-hmm. that choice. And these choices, I believe, should are a human right, and, and these choices should not depend on resources, I think. And I think that's one of the biggest obstacles. And I, I think another obstacle is finding um, birth workers and body workers that are integrated in the other side. So body workers integrated in birth, birth workers integrated in body work. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I felt like I had lots of emotional support, if you will, and lots of sharing of information, almost like textbook kind of stuff, much more personal personalized than just reading a book, but um, my I had three separate doulas, and one of them was much more skilled in body work, if you will, than the others, and um, at one of my births, I was like, oh, where's she? Where's she? I need her pressing on that part of my body, and yeah. um, just even overhearing some of the spinning baby stuff I, and bringing that body work into the birth work, I agree, and I think your school is really powerful. I think it's going to do really well, and it's going to make that connection for people so that then maybe they would would seek it out because it is a balance of information and then knowing what to do with that information yeah. too. Yeah. And them. and my school is one is one place that's educating, but there are so many different um, people doing workshops that, that integrate. I think Spinning Babies is one of the other really great resources for a workshop that integrates body work and birth. We have an advanced course that um, I was part of the team that just piloted a few weeks ago um, for body work and birth work coming together. And there's also amazing midwives, um, Jenny Blythe and Fiona ha- uh, Hallinan in Australia doing that. And and um, just all over the world, we can find a lot of access to this. Um, Blandine Kelly-Germain, Carol Phillips. We have so many resources to tap into 
Um, so I just want to put that out there for any moms who are listening that want to look into those people. For sure. I just made like a mental list. I might yeah. have to put those in the show notes because I'm like, who are these people? We need to look them up right away because I want to know more people who are doing this because yeah. even in 2019, even after having three babies, I feel like this is new information and just hearing it, it just resonates. It's just like, yes, 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 yes. And, but then also feeling isolated from it, mm. you know, feeling isolated on, on an island in the middle of the ocean, but then not just an island in the middle of the ocean, like someone in a small town, someplace who feels like, you know, this might be for me, but I'm just not sure where to turn. Yeah. So I love that there's multiple resources and that it's spreading, which is really good. Yeah. Um, I'd love for you to talk about how spinning babies and things like that are, are, are changing those issues and how birth workers are shifting mindsets surrounding birth because I feel this shift happening yeah. and I'm liking it. <laughs> um, yeah, so spinning babies, okay, how it's changing, how it's changing the mindset, shifting yeah. the mindset surrounding like birth. Like when Sorry. you're doing these work, no worries. Yeah. When you're doing these workshops, um, what kind of mindset shifts are you starting to okay. see. Nice, nice. One of our big focuses with spinning babies is like exactly what you're asking. It's a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. a mindset shift. And we, we come to this place of paradigm shifting a lot. So one of my paradigm shifts is um, we have sometimes a feeling of like more is more. If, you've, if you're going to work out, work out hard. And mm-hmm. if you're going to stretch, stretch to the max. And, and you know, and, and the paradigm shift to less is more. Absolutely. A gentle stretch can release a lot more, mm-hmm. right? Because your body doesn't protect the other parts. And, yes. And so, like, that's a paradigm shift. And, and another paradigm shift, I think, is to this active place of patience. Yes. Right? Like, when, where do we find that balance for each person in their pregnancy and each person in their birth? And that balance shifts throughout yes. birth of when do we, you know, support you hands off and, and give space and time and see physiology you know, working beautifully, mm. and and when do we see? Oh, this is a really great place to add some balance, yeah, right? Or maybe work after balance with some gravity, some movement, but but knowing when do we be active, mm-hmm. and when do we give time and space? And mm-hmm. and sometimes in the natural birth world, we because we're trying to, I think, oh, my angel, I think because we're trying to um, to balance out. Um, some of the medicalization of birth yeah. of the last 150 years or more, um, we're, we're so hands-off to show that we trust birth. Oh. And I think one of the biggest mindset shifts that Spinning Babies is trying, in my understanding, in my experience, is trying to help support is that sometimes being and believing in birth is seeing that physiology right now could use some help. Yeah. Physiology right now could use some restoration. I love that. Some balance more in the middle. Yes. I l- yeah. love that. I love that. What do you see but as... But one second. Okay. I'm so go sorry. Ahead. I just go, want to say one, yeah, one yes. last thing Good that for I think you. is a paradigm shift that Spinning Babies is doing that's so essential, which is coming to this place of adding balance to the soft tissues, Yeah. adding balance and seeing how integral the soft tissues are to baby's position, to comfort in pregnancy, to ease in birth. 
We focus so much on the bones. We focus so much on the joints. Mm -hmm. But the soft tissues, the pelvic floor, the iliopsoas muscle, the uterine ligaments, the round ligaments, the broad ligament, the uterosacral ligament, we can go on. Mm -hmm. The ligaments of the pelvis, the fascia that's wrapping our bodies, these soft tissues determine the space baby has. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when, like we said, when a baby's breech, that baby might want to be breech. That might be the right position for that baby. And we leave so much space for that. And also that baby might be breached because that's the space available. Mm -hmm. And if we add space by adding balance to the soft tissues, then we let baby choose what's that right position for baby. Mm -hmm. And we trust baby. We're coming in from a trusting and rebuilding that connection between the pregnant person and the baby and also adding space. So understanding the integral role that soft tissue creates to both the space in the bones and the pelvis, because mm -hmm. the soft tissue, if it's tight, like if our muscles are tight or our ligaments are tight, our pelvis can be smaller or bigger, depending on that. Mm -hmm. And that can have more space for a baby to be born or less space. So sometimes, mm -hmm. have you ever heard people, this is a really lovely next door accoutrement. <laughs> have you ever... Um, In-person interviews. <laughs> yeah. This is just thrown, you know, love it. Have you ever heard people who've been told, like, your baby couldn't fit through your pelvis? Oh, my gosh. I hear so that many, right? so, so often. It's wild. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, and one of the biggest things that we try to, like, talk about is, you know, first of all, it, you know, we don't know what happened in that birth. Maybe and maybe not. Yeah. But when a, when a baby's head is deflexed, when a baby's head is, is, is not tucked chin to chest, yeah. but looking straight ahead, yeah. our head is bigger. Yes. And in that moment, maybe it was difficult for that head to fit through that pelvis. Right. Or maybe the pelvis was made smaller with restriction in the muscles or ligaments. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, it was more tricky. Right. right. But was that an ability of your baby and an ability of your pelvis to work together? No. It's just that moment. What was the mm -hmm. dance happening? And could we have added balance mm -hmm. and made more space? Just you sharing that has given me so much peace with my second pregnancy, like mm. personal peace, because my almost 10 pound baby flipped breech at 38 weeks. Yeah. And I felt like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people around me were like, oh gosh, why did that? Like no one had an explanation for why that happened. But when I, hindsight is 2020. But when I look back, I'm like everything that you're just talking about and the extreme round ligament pain I was having at the time and all of this stuff, I'm like, well, no kidding. And now that I know her, like know that baby, know my child, know how she came into the world she actually did flip back to head down but then presented sunny side up and then all those things you were talking about I'm like yes because in that moment on that day at that time it just it made sense so um I love that so thank you because yeah. I think as I start to make peace with my pregnancy stories and my birth stories and things like that it just even for me to have this hindsight really helps yeah, and even I know four years have, later. Yes, very much. And sometimes yeah. even 20 or 40 or 60 years later. And I know we have a few more questions, but I just want to say one more word because what yeah. you said was so powerful. And our stories are so powerful. And our hope is that through spinning babies and through understanding, right, the role of soft tissue and balance and how integral it is and for comfort and pregnancy, ease in birth and so much, yeah. our hope is to change birth on earth, right? We want to improve outcomes. Yeah. We want to improve people's experiences for sure. And another really big goal is to give tools to reframe our stories. Yes. To reframe our stories and to find the the 
you know, our, first of all, maybe our power again, but also maybe a trust in our body and a trust with our baby that yeah. maybe, maybe was we're, we're still trying to find years later. Sure. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. yes. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I will avoid like going off on that thing, but you're right. It is. Uh, that was my default during that pregnancy was trusting my baby during that time. You know, I've heard other mothers comment about how their pregnancy and deliveries affected their connection and bonding and relationship with their child's after. So I'm glad you pointed that out because it's not just the pregnancy. It's not just the birth. It's everything that happens afterwards. You know, Gail sent me a card when I became a mom that said peace on birth begins at home. Oh. Or peace on earth begins yeah. at home. Yeah. I just said peace on earth. I love but that. It, it that is, was right? the best of the ever. Power. <laughs> the best ever. And it, it begins at home, right? It's it's so much our connection with our children and and, and, and what that gives them and ourselves and what we then bring to the world. So. I agree. I agree. Oh, my gosh. Part of our homeschool journey and all that. I have one more question for <laughs> yes, you because yes. I'm dying to ask. Um, how is mothering in Jerusalem different than mothering here? <laughs> yeah. You know, it is, it's, it's really, really different. <laughs> um, you know, one of the biggest things is in Israel, um, the army at the age of 18 is mandatory. Oh, wow. So when I birthed my child, and I didn't know if my child was a boy or girl, and when he's a boy and he comes into the world, I think all the time in different situations about the fact that, and I hope we don't have the need for armies or wars or anything in the world by that time. Yeah. And also in reality, we, we might. And the fact that at 18, my child that I'm raising is going to go into service, you know, and and that's a huge complexity to add to motherhood. That's the yeah, first thing. That's from the beginning. really different. From the beginning yeah. to know that, right? Yeah. Because it's a mandatory service. And, and um, that's one thing. But I think on a day-to-day, um, something that's really different in, in being a mom and Israel and I have less, um, you know, exposure to being a mom in America because I ah. became a mom um, while living in Israel. Though I've been here now for a quarter of my child's life <laughs> in the states, but um, you know, he's he's young. But um, I think being a mom in Israel, the culture is so different, and it's not as easy. It's um, not that it's easy to live here. I mean, life is not easy, but. Um, things aren't accessible in the same way. So I remember like when I, just even before motherhood, when I immigrated to Israel and I maintained dual residency, but when I immigrated, I remember um, how much I missed Target. Oh! You know, and I missed like Costco and I missed Walgreens and and CVS or whatever. And just the easy access of coming to one store where you could get a bunch of things because Israel is still in an old school Middle Eastern way, like a bunch of little markets. Yeah. And, and just little things like that are different mm-hmm. um, because of the way that the culture is so different it's sometimes safe, it, easier in some ways like your kids can be out playing in, in the street there's not worries of kidnapping there's not worries mm-hmm. of and maybe that's how it is on an island too I don't know no not always okay so it's in that way it's very different because it's um, there's less of that kind of crime there because there's just different it's just different society. There's like other things that they deal with. So it, in some ways it feels um, like more open. And in um, other, yeah, like I can just leave my kid and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, my neighbor's watching. Not that I just leave him on the street, but <laughs> but um, but there's a feeling like that's totally um, still okay. 
like yeah. when I was growing up that was something that we did right yeah but now there's a strong feeling I had at least here of like I wouldn't necessarily choose that yeah so that's different and and I think um, for me with the language there's a big difference of being a mom in Israel because mm. and I've heard a lot of my friends say that who became moms once they immigrated because some of the support groups that you'd want to go to that are in your neighborhood are only in Hebrew Ah, yeah. um, wow, maybe I'll find a way to connect with you um, for a show I want to do about what it's like to make mom friends when the language is not your first language. Absolutely. Because we have quite a few um, English as second language or third language or fourth language moms in our group, and I know that the experience is different for them, but then also what we can offer them. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we're all moms who need support. Yes, so. and and sometimes so much more when you don't have that language, right? Yes, yes. So there's a lot there. Gosh. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing so much with me and us and for being here and taking your valuable time um, and sharing this and opening our hearts and minds. I just, I really appreciate you. It's Thank been you. a complete pleasure, and I just have to say to our listeners um, who haven't seen Lori Beth and her beautiful face and countenance that like your your eyes just sparkle when you smile and sitting across from you and getting a chance to spend time with you has been an absolute honor and gift so thank you oh you're so, so much. sweet i feel the same to say it all about you oh <laughs> thank you thank you so much that's it for this episode of elevating motherhood thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today i hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both if you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.